Navy fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 116. As you can see, we're trying some new stuff out in the visual presentation of the podcast. For those of you watching us online, um, mixing it up. Give us feedback. You like it? You, you want to go back to the old way? Um, let us know. Um, this week... The Super Bowl is this coming Sunday, and I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of excited. You got the young gun versus the old veteran, but even me, who does not like Tom Brady, is interested in the narrative of Tom Brady going into the Super Bowl. Can he win without Belichick? Um, and normally in the Super Bowl, you got all the trailers. I don't think that'll be the case this year, but still, we thought, we haven't talked trailers in a while. Let's talk trailers. Actually, we have talked about trailers, but it was all the way back in episode three of the podcast. I think... We've improved. I hope we've improved since the two and a half years ago that that was. And also, we have Michael with us this time, not Josh. So, uh, Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, pal. Thank you so much for having me back. And, yeah, this is going to be fun. Trailers uh, are my favorite thing with movies, honestly, because it's the stereotypical journey, not the destination. And, and for me, it just it invokes so much speculation, so much hype. In it, in it, well, at least this case, we're going to talk about good trailers. So I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me back on. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, so uh, before we get into all that, we've been watching some stuff. Uh, Michael's been watching some more interesting stuff than me, but um, I've been watching some stuff. In honor of the Godzilla vs. Kong release soon, uh, I was just like, what i need to go back and watch all the stuff that i've missed before when it comes to godzilla and kong so uh i had not actually watched the original king kong in its entirety uh maybe i think the first time i watched it i fell asleep halfway through yeah i almost did again um i will say this the effects (laughs) for 1933 still pretty much hold up like they look really really good i thought it was very dated in one it's depiction of women just going women on a boat is bad luck and i'm going it's a weird superstition but okay but two um the way that the story is told is really really bizarre of just as soon as any character is introduced whatsoever it's like reading the back of their baseball card hey you you're the director you like to put your cast and crew in danger so you get your shot but you always come out ahead ha ha i'm like you could just you know show us that instead of tell us that it, it was fine but it was it's very old school um, mm-hmm. and how it like, p- decides to give you information, which I just thought was very entertaining in that sense. Yeah, no, I've, I saw I saw that the original King Kong at like my grandmother's house at like a family get-together. Apparently that's what some of my older relatives thought was the idea of a good time. But I, I will say like one of the cool things about it is that they some of my extended family, they're huge film fans. And they're able to give me as a younger kid just some cool facts. You know, things as a high schooler, you're sitting around with your family, you're watching something together. I mean, I, for me, that was always a special time when you can get anyone to sit down and watch something together. The laughs, the banter back and forth amongst family members, that that's always meant a lot. And I'll never forget that. They were telling me how it was made, you know, and, and what they thought when they saw it for the first time. And that was really, really special to hear especially like my grandmother because she was from that generation where movies were a newer thing. So that that's something I'm glad. I'm glad you went back and watched it. I think as a film fan, it these are the movies that are kind of lost, I think, for the rest of, of fandom, especially the, the younger, 
the fan, like the younger people are now growing up. I mean, was the original Kong was thirty three, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's, you know, how many how many millennials are watching films from that long ago? I have more faith in Godzilla just because it's twenty five years later almost, and I feel like we evolved the storytellers. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, the effects really really hold up. Like any of the action scenes, like Godzilla. Uh, not Godzilla, Kong fighting the T-Rex for the first time. Um, really, really cool. The dinosaurs look great. It's just the way that they choose the stories. I was like, this is very outdated. Um, mm-hmm. I'll try and watch all the like the major ones leading up to it because most of them are on HBO Max. So I'm debating of how I should do this. So I'll toss it up to you at home watching this and to you, Michael. So I've watched mm-hmm. the original. What should I watch next? Should I go in chronological order, in which case I'd be watching the Jeff Bridges one from the 70s, the Peter Jackson remake, or should I watch Godzilla next because that timeline came next? That That is a fantastic, fantastic question. Have you actually seen Peter Jackson's Kong? No. I own it in 4K in my voodoo, but I have not seen it yet. Okay. Uh, well, because of where that movie is set, I would actually watch that one next, and then go that's go to Godzilla towards. from there. That's kind of yeah. That's I would do that. It is a. Uh, it was funny. So my my dad and I actually were watching some clips of that uh, from this past uh, week, which we'll get to a little bit. Why we were watching those, and I will say, I, I know it came out in two thousand five. It it is quite a spectacle of a film. It's very ambitious, and I'm not saying the quality is as good as what he was doing with obviously like Lord of the Rings, for example, but it is still ambitious knowing that he wrapped Return of the King and immediately went and did this. It's actually quite stunning. Mm. Yeah, visually, Peter Jackson can never go wrong. It's kind of sometimes he gets overly ambitious. Um, the Hobbit or the Rolling Cities on Tanks movie. Um, and then on Sunday, Heather and I watched the Royal Rumble because I don't care how bad WWE gets. The Royal Rumble is always one of my favorites. And this year, top to bottom, pretty good show. Then again, I haven't watched WWE in months. So I was like aware of who was in the ring, but I wasn't caught up with storyline. So I could just kind of watch it as a fan. And even just casually, it's a good show. It's a really good Rumble. The right people won. And there's some spots that I, even me who's watched a bunch of them go, mm-hmm. uh, you definitely almost touched, or you for sure touched, and you don't want us to know that you touched the floor. Because um, for those that don't know, Royal Rumble is basically the grown man's version of the floor is lava. Um, that's that's such a good point. I never even thought about it until you're, you're, you were leading there. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But it's... If you're introducing someone to wrestling, start them with the Royal Rumble more so than WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Royal Rumble is always so much fun. And this year was was really fun too. Um, just me and Heather watching no Rumble party for obvious reasons. But the right people won, which is not something I can often say in WWE. Uh, speaking of winners, Michael, you are not one this week because of what you oh. watched. Uh, yeah, that that's funny. Uh, so my dad had never seen Star Trek before. He had never seen the, the I will say, J.J. Abrams Star Trek. He grew up watching Star Trek, and he had never seen this new timeline, and that's something that he wanted to see. I mean, come on. 
Nathan, you're close with your your father. Can you just just dream of, hey, Dad, you're coming over and we're going to hang out for a while. Dad, why don't you pick a movie? And he says, well, let's watch this. I didn't suggest it. He just wanted to see it. I mean, how beautiful uh, is that? I mean, that that just speaks to my heart because for me, J.J.'s 2009 Star Trek is one of the most rewatchable and overall most enjoyable films I, I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so I bought it. I bought it on uh, 4K, uh, Ultra HD, and it looked great. And my gosh, we had a fantastic time. Um, I, have, I have not had a chance to watch uh, WandaVision here, so I apologize. I'll have to talk about that next week. Uh, but this this week's been kind of rough. I, I apologize. Like I have not been able to uh, get to a lot of films. You watched one, though. Except for Tenet. I rented Tenet and saw it in Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, 4K, HDR, you name it. I with watched subtitles? It the best, yes, with subtitles. The best way that I could sit down and enjoy this film, and I waited until I was the most awake I could be to take in a Christopher Nolan film. I shut out all senses, notifications, and I watched it, and it was a movie, yes. <laughs> Just, like, probably, and I will have to give him credit, visually, the most ambitious like, most ambitious film he has ever done. Most One of the most ambitious visual films since... Uh, in my opinion, I'm not. I am not making this up. Um, since uh, Stanley Kubrick's um, Stanley Kubrick's magnificent film, which I still have not seen, so it's only it's only. Uh, so you uh, assume yeah. it's magnificent. Yeah, I'm assuming it's great. 2001: Space Odyssey. It's but, so boring. It is yeah, so it, boring. <laughs> um, I was confused. I, I I will say I listen. I went to theology school, philosophy, and reading theology. It's pretty dry. I get it. Like I can once you read uh, the uh, Augustine's Confessions, your your brain's pretty much melted. I, it took me maybe one other viewing after watching Inception to say, okay, that makes sense. You know, a Dark Knight that's pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, the Prestige I think is my favorite Nolan film. Mm-hmm. That one threw me through a loop, but so I good. but I got it along the way. Uh, you know, Interstellar, kind of some strange paradoxes in there. You're kind of like I don't know what's you know I don't know about that ending, but you you get it. This film, I don't even know why it's so confusing. Like it, it's it's like he's trying to tell a good story, but to mask all of the holes, it's we're gonna make this complicated so the audience has no idea what to critique. Because not only was I visually lost, I was lost with the story. Um, I I know it would take another viewing. I almost want to give him that, but I have no desire to ever watch this movie again. I I really don't. Uh, I was tired by the end, and I don't know if you want, as a filmmaker, your audience to be tired, because now going into these films like Nolan, it's like, man, I'm kind of tired. I don't want to watch this movie, and I, that's, I don't think we want that from our films. I think we want to be challenged, for sure, but to be strained? I mean, even the nonlinear storytelling of, uh, what was the World War II film? Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk uh, is even kind of like, come on, man, can't you just make a normal film, please? So I listen. I recommend people watch it because I think Nolan's doing stuff that's not traditional, but I think he's now doing it just to say, "Hey, look at me! I'm different." And I, I know that's I can't say that that's his motive, but that's the only way I can interpret this film. It's ambitious in the wrong ways. 
and I'm sorry to to have said that. Since because I've not seen it yet, I'll get around to it at some point. It's just really, really not high on my priority list after I saw those opening reviews. Uh, given what I'm wearing with my Batman shirt, I gotta ask, how's our Pat's in this movie? He's he's fantastic. The performances are incredible. I I think they're incredible. Everyone's compelling. performance. I would say so. Yes. Okay, because because uh, I had heard going into it that John David Washington was a little bit iffy, but it, I liked him in Black Klansman, so I don't know if I actually believe those people that are saying that. Well, I guess things. I've never seen him in anything except for the trailer for the film, uh, and so his character is written in a way that I absolutely understand why people would say that. But he has some really good moments early on. Because you're kind of like, well, this is like, who is this guy gonna be? He's got he flexes his muscle, but his he plays the role well. He doesn't deviate because that's not what his character is for. If anything, you probably could make that critique, like, hey, this guy wasn't given a whole lot to do, or this guy didn't have maybe a personality. Well, it's because that's the point. So I think that would be more a reflection on the screenwriting team than it would be his acting. Because I. That's the one thing I would take away is that people are doing a very good job here from like all around. And the tension, the, the thing is, is like this is what's kind of weird, Nate, is that like the first half of the film, I'm like, okay, they're setting this stuff up really good. Like, and, and so it starts really slow and then it just snowballs into something massive. And then my, my, eye, my eyes hurt because I was my, I, my brain is trying to figure out what is actually happening. And because it's done visually, it's such a – I don't want – because I can't give any spoilers. The visuals mess with your brain because mm. you're not only just trying to physically understand time in a different way. You're seeing it also in a different way. So your brain's trying to interpret, okay, so interpret what's the plot, what's the goal, and now my brain is, is messed up. Like, this is an achievement in film, absolutely. That's why I think film critics need to see this. But – I don't know if they're going to go away thinking, wow, that was a very compelling film. I can't wait to discuss the plot. No, that's that's not what this movie is, unfortunately. Well, that's unfortunate because I, I have been a fan of Nolan in the past, but I feel like he's his last good movie was Inception, and that was 2010. That was like his last truly magnificent movie. The rest of them have just been good at best, which is kind of disappointing, but hardly yeah. surprising lately. It's kind of been a downer trajectory. Well, before uh, hmm, what do you got? Oh, Michael? I was gonna say just real quick. I will say some of the best cinematography though I've ever seen. The 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 live shots. I mean, the, the fact that uh, Nolan just knows how to get a shot. Oh yeah. Do, do it practically. Like the the on set locations are breathtaking. Like I, this is one of the few films where I wanted to look up where they shot some of the principal photography because I'm like, I want to go there. <laughs> I want to visit that place because that's really gorgeous. So uh, you can't say anything about. The, the the actual like effects amazing, the on-site locations amazing, practical work and CGI pretty much uh, I, I couldn't even tell and I was looking for it, uh, and the the subtitles certainly helped, but it, they must have done something. I know you brought this up. They must have done something in post-production because I didn't think it was that difficult to understand. But there are some scenes it does seem like they're underwater, but that also. Like considering the ambiance of what's going on, I I could forgive it. So I I think you actually could survive this movie without subtitles, though. 
It wouldn't be the first time that Nolan has edited a movie's sound in post-production. Y'all remember what happened with Bane and that first teaser trailer? But um, I digress. Before we get into our main news topics, I got one last little surprise for you guys that I tease on our social medias if you're following us at Uncharted Media on Facebook and I believe Media Uncharted on Twitter and Instagram. Um, for anybody that knows me... I've been working on a Nightwing project for a while. Uh, we were yes. supposed to be getting a Nightwing movie with Chris McKay. Um, I'm still plugging along at it, but I want to extend my first olive branch, extend my first teaser to you exclusively to the podcast listeners. So here we go. Your first look at my upcoming How Would I Do a Nightwing movie. What you're seeing right here is me altering a photo from the comics from a very very old comic but this to me is how i'm describing dick grayson point this way this will be nightwing's first costume in my story pitch i know y'all expecting a certain look but trust me when i say i have reasons for why he will look the way he does in the story so i'm pulling from all kinds of different resources i just re um basically scraped the surface and went through the entire 152 issue run of the original Nightwing series. Uh, went through all the new 52 issues, just finished Grayson. Then I'll be going through rebirth. I already have some of the clips that I need just scraped through almost all the comics. This is what his costume will look like for the very first costume. But, um, in true superhero fashion, let's just say he won't stay that way forever because yeah, that's all I'll probably say about that. But um, uh, I'm, I did, but I didn't take an unconventional approach with his first costume. Well, I will tell you this, buddy. It looks uh, fantastic. I, I, listen, this is gonna come at a perfect time. I have been a huge fan of your extra work, and again, I will just plug this for anyone who hasn't seen you and yours and Josh's video on how you would pitch the Fantastic Four, I would recommend, for the sake of your own life and entertainment, take a pause on this, Come, go and listen to that, and then come back, because then you will see what Nathan's pitching here and how much work he puts into it, and then how you see how his mind works, because I think this is amazing, because one was the Fantastic Four was great by itself, but knowing how much you love this character and how oh, much yeah. thought and care you'll put into it, like seriously, man, I cannot wait. Do we? Do you have? Do you have for those people? Okay, I'm gonna ask on behalf of those people. Do you have a goal in mind for well, a release? The at the very very latest, it will be sometime in March when the Nightwing comics start up again. When um, that okay. Tom Taylor run that we talked about a few weeks ago, when that launches sure. on issue 78, I think that'll be my absolute latest deadline. Um, but like you brought up, I like my Fantastic Four. There's some things that I would change. Fantastic Four was my warm-up for this. Like, I don't want to overhype it, but there's some stuff in this that I was just like, if we get a Nightwing movie and this doesn't happen, I will genuinely be mad. Um, Not to toot my own horn or anything, but just... It's coming together really, really well, and I'm really excited for you guys to see it. So, yeah, here's your first tease at what I'm envisioning, what you guys will be picturing in your head when I'm telling you this tale of one Richard Grayson. Now, let's move on to some news topics, shall we? 
GameStop. That's all we need to... Now we should have like a million views, right? You just need to say GameStop and everyone right. just flocks to your product, whatever that may be, because that's just all over the place now. Um, if you've been living under a rock recently, GameStop's been in the news, probably more so than they've ever been in the news in their entire existence. Um, it's really complicated here, and we're not going to go into full detail because we're a movie podcast and show, but, um, it's now crossed over into the world of movies as not one, but two different movies are in the works about what's happening with the stock market and GameStop. Uh, okay, are you just that bored with your week? Like, I know the movie industry is slow right now, but GameStop also... I said this would happen. However, I said Aaron Sorkin would be the one writing it because right. Moneyball and the social network. Although some people are already claiming that this will be called the anti-social network. Um, so we have the Netflix graphic up here because supposedly Netflix is one of the studios that's doing it. Which means it'll come out in three months and it'll be, uh, probably be really, really crappy. Because um, <laughs> Netflix likes to just go, oh, this is popular. Let's just jump on that right now while we don't wait for production pre-production or planning or anything like that i think the story of what's happening right now is prime movie making material but um also someone brought it up and it's completely true don't you guys want to wait like maybe a month to see how this resolves itself or if there's more to this story because if you start you may have a fever pitch situation here where you have to rewrite the ending because something drastically changes mid-production um this, like, just writes itself. It's so... Okay, sure. That being said, I still don't have faith that this will be a good movie. Because Netflix originals are very hit or miss. Their TV shows are great. Their movies are very, very spotty. Um, But, Michael, I'm sure you have about as much understanding of the current GameStop situation as I do. Is this something that interests you at all from a movie-making perspective? Oh, yes, uh, but not something done right away because the story is still being written as we speak. And there's a lot of facts to be found out about all of this, all the numbers and full responses. So I think it would be very irresponsible to try to tell this story, but in a, in a way a little ironic to capitalize on it. So, like, there's a little bit of commentary to be had there. But, yeah, like, when you message me, like, hey, can we just have Sorkin write this? Yeah, absolutely. What a, what a perfect guy to be able to do that. Um, this, this is... So this is movie-worthy material, if we're being honest. So I would absolutely watch it. Uh, but the long-term repercussions, I think, is something that you have to talk about, too. It's like, you know, every like a lot of those based on a true story movies end with, like, a paragraph of text or whatever. You wouldn't be able to have one of those moments here if you tried doing it right now. So uh, I, I'd like to have the dedication and time put into it but uh, at the moment we i think we should let things breathe just a little bit there's a lot of high emotion at the moment yeah everyone seems to be on edge and it's it's a situation that's changing day by day what i think mm -hmm. might happen here is similar to what we saw with steve jobs when he passed away you got two movies that came out at roughly around the same time but one was made by competent people with aaron sorkin and danny boyle and the other one had ashton kutcher so i think that might happen Maybe I'm being too mean to Netflix here, but I think Netflix will be like, yes, we were the first one to get our movie out. And then some other studio will be like, yes, but we took our time and ours is a better movie. Like, I like the one, the Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah I think 
let's not rush this out. I, I've said we would get a movie for this. But, uh, again, let's take our time. Because for all we know, and how this story has played out so far, there could be even weirder twists. Like, all of a sudden you could see Gary Busey's announced as the new GameStop CEO or something like that. Just, at this point, anything is fair game. So, yeah, maybe pump the brakes and wait just a second? I, but then again, Netflix is known for their patience. Yeah, of course. Oh, boy. Well... Let's talk about something that is surprising, but surprising in a good way. So, Disney Plus is ever looking to expand their horizons and add more programming. Because you will obey the mouse overlords. Um, However, this is one of those things. And actually, I'll give credit where credit's due. Disney Plus, in terms of giving the people what they want has really been hitting it out of the park in terms of the stuff that they've announced is actually stuff people want to see. Um, a certain trailer we'll talk about later. Seems like it's got the charm of something else. And this is another project that it wouldn't have been the first thing to come to my mind, but when you say it, yeah, I'm really, really into it. And that's that we will be getting a Wakanda series on Disney plus directed by black Panther director himself, Ryan Coogler. I think this is fantastic because um, I like Black Panther. But one of the coolest things about it, what made it stand out so much from all the other MCU movies, was it's not so much universe because it's still in the MCU, but the little, like, pocket world that is Wakanda. Like, almost as soon as you get the shot of his ship coming into the city, you're like, this is different. It's visually different. It feels different. It's old school, but new school at the same time. And one of my biggest sad, not so much complaints, um, but one of my biggest takeaways from Black Panther was, I want to spend more time in Wakanda. This seems like a really interesting and fascinating place to be. Um, Absolutely. So I'm completely fine with this. The question is, do we think this show would have still been greenlit had Chadwick Boseman still been alive? And I think, actually, maybe, because they want to expand that world. And I don't think there's any other, like, section of the MCU that you can really tailor a show around in terms of just the location and the people because it might not be that interesting. Like, here, here's Ant-Man's neighborhood. Isn't that cool? But, like, Wakanda has that such interesting aesthetic and vibe of it. Like I said, it's new school meets old school, really. And... I really want to spend more time in that. And also just with the people of Wakanda, Black Panther has such strong supporting characters. So maybe what's um, M'Baku's people like on a day-to-day basis? What are like the subsections of Wakanda like? There's so many different interesting possibilities that you can go with this that I'm I'm all for this. Add the fact that you're getting Ryan Coogler back, who is one of the best directors working today with such a unique and powerful voice. I'm all in. Yeah, this is actually quite surprising to me. Uh, one of the most surprising stories this past week, like movie-wise, because I, I just wouldn't think they would get this type of like, caliber talent to be able to, like, basically run the entire show. Like, that's actually really encouraging because I think he made a splash with the first one, and I'm really excited to see where he will go, especially with the world building. Right? I mean, who wouldn't want to hang out in the streets of Wakanda and see like what's going on down there? Like, I the the one thing that was unanimous with everyone's, you know, praise or maybe dissension of Black Panther was the shared notion of, like, we want to see more of this world, though. 
Like that's we liked the world that it was created. Like especially during like the ancestral plane. Let's go back there. Let's expand on the lore of that. I think that would that would be an amazing thing. Uh, also, I think it would be able to give people an opportunity to expand on the other characters. You know, in in absence of Chadwick Boseman, which is still such a tragedy. But this gives the other characters uh, time to step up and, and maybe take on the mantle collectively. Like, instead of just one person, you can say we are Black Panther, maybe, like as an entire nation. Uh, it's not just like Shuri's responsibility. It's, you know, this is who we are as our people. And I think it can be done very tastefully with a lot of respect to what's come before. So I, and I think they have the right people, the right showrunners to do that exact thing. So this, this makes sense to me, and I'm really glad that it's coming. I wish I could say I was glad something was coming, but um, <laughs> I've made no qualms that I'm not really particularly excited for this. But I'll still watch it because I'm a DC shill, and I'll just watch anything that's put in front of me, even right. if it's made by Zack Snyder. Well, we now have a release date for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. It's for our epicness that it will be. March 18th, 2021, which for those of you keeping track at home, that's a Thursday. And there's those people that still believe there's a war going on between DC and Marvel that are just like, they did it so they can release one day before Falcon Winter Soldier and steal all of its thunder. I'm going, Falcon Winter Soldier is going to be coming out for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. It's going to have that initial surge, but it's got legs as opposed to the Snyder Cut's going to be everyone's going to watch and more than likely to call out now they'll crash HBO Max's servers because HBO Max's yes. servers are already pretty crappy as is but the Snyder Cut fans as much as they really annoy the crap out of me and they more or less bully everybody they're loyal to a fault and I've said it before Snyder Cut fans don't you dare pirate this you've asked for this so actually support it um I, they're going to crash HBO Max why they're releasing on a Thursday is just an odd pick. Um, so in addition to the posters, no, in addition to the release date, Zack Snyder also teased the posters with some text over some of the images saying uh, one of them has fallen, one of them is risen, and oh, I forget what the other one is. I'm just going, It's a, are you trying to build up hope and inspiration now because your universe has been really bleak so far? But again... We have not seen Justice League. Maybe this is the most hopeful and optimistic one, and we're going on a journey through these movies. But so far, nothing's really convinced me that that's what's happening here. I do feel pretty confident saying, though, that we'll probably get a trailer for the Snyder Cut this Sunday during the Super Bowl because it's a streaming thing. If we do get any trailers this Sunday, I think they'll all be for stuff that is guaranteed to not be a moving release dates because they'll be going to streaming, like a Falcon Winter Soldier trailer, maybe something for WandaVision. Snyder Cut is very, very likely. Um, maybe something for Hulu. Streaming trailers will be at the Super Bowl, but not actual movie trailers because no studio wants to pay that much money for a movie they might end up having to delay for three or four months unless they know for a fact they're not moving the date, like Godzilla vs. Kong is still coming out when it's coming out, but it's also coming to streaming. Um, Michael, does the does this generate anything good or bad or anything in you whatsoever? Uh, honestly, no. I I'm really not going to watch it. Uh, I will say that you know, for me, I'm not going to be one of those people. Don't worry, I'm not going to actually uh, pirate this. I would never do that. I, I just for me, I'm not interested. 
and I want to move on, and this feels like we're going backwards because, I don't know, let me ask you this, because like, I don't really have any more else to say besides that. Do you think, do you think it causes harm? Like, let's say this is great. Let's just say, hypothetically, this is phenomenal, but it's not canon. Do you think that could potentially do more harm to the DC Universe than it does good? That's such a tough question. It's more or less the the fans' reaction. Because before the movies even come out, you've seen all the hashtags of Restore the Snyderverse and going, the reason the Snyderverse ended is because the d- box office returns were going downhill, not uphill. And right. Snyder Cut fans are diehard, and that's awesome that they are. But the reality is the Snyder universe wasn't bringing in the casual fan. And Warner Brothers cares more about the casual fans than the diehard fans because casual fans will tell their other casual fans and that'll bring in more money. It's mm-hmm. what Snyder does in his approach to things is very, very niche. And that's fine. If that works for you, that's awesome. He commands a very diehard loyal fan base. But that's not the general population. And I think people seem to keep forgetting that the reason he was fired, because make no mistake, he was fired off Justice League despite the horrible things that happened to him, and my heart goes out to him in that sense, he was for sure fired. The reason that happened is because the box office revenue wasn't where Warner Brothers was wanting it to, and they gave him too much control off the bat. They're just like, here, you're in charge of everything, when the foundation wasn't particularly strong. Now you say, does this do more harm than good? There's been talk of extending the Snyder universe in some capacity, whether that's in comics only, in like a limited comic run, or making it an Elseworlds universe on HBO Max. I think if it's relegated to just HBO Max, then that might be okay. Because okay. even Zack Snyder himself has said, this is an Elseworlds. My universe is kind of like an Elseworlds, which has made me a little more comfortable going... Okay, so it's the characters we know, but not because it's it's an Elseworlds, which is basically comic speak for it's the characters you know, but they don't act like the characters that you know because something is there's a hook or a gimmick as to why they're different. I think Snyder Cut fans don't want to hear this, but I think the Snyderverse is dead with Justice League, and that's not just me thinking that. That's not just Warner Brothers thinking that. I think Snyder himself is ready to move on. He's made some statements that, like, yes, he seems to be, like, hyping up his Justice League movie, but he seems like he's got a pretty solid relationship with Netflix now, with Army of the Dead coming out later this year. I think he wants to move on to other projects. Um, Say what you want about his movies, but I'm sure the guy's burnt out. Like, mm-hmm. comic book movies are not easy. The Russos had to step away from Marvel eventually because they got tired comic book movies or big budget movies in general are exhausting correct Mm -hmm. me if i'm wrong but he hasn't done any non-comic book movies since man of steel he's poured his heart and his soul into the Snyderverse. while it hasn't been for everybody it's not for me i applaud his 100 attitude for this and going balls to the wall going all in on it the dude probably wants to do something else that's why he's doing army of the dead which is a horror movie and supposedly that's a pretty good relationship that he's built with Netflix right there. And he's kind of on turmoil, shaky ground with Warner Brothers in terms of they might not like him and he might not like them. So maybe he moves on to a different studio. I don't see the, there being a future in the Snyderverse. And that's just not coming from me who's not really a fan of it. It's more just logistically 
it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to continue it and be like, well, why are they doing it for HBO Max in the first place? Because we've said before, HBO Max is desperate for anything. This is basically an $85 million marketing campaign for HBO Max, if nothing else. So I think for all parties involved, this is more or less the end of the Snyderverse. Um, mm-hmm. Some people would be fine with that. Other people will be mad about that. And that's just the way it is. And I think that's fine. I think I'm looking forward to this just being done so we can move past it. Because you can't change the Snyder Cut fan's mind. They've already said it in their mind that this movie is going to be awesome. And that's fine if you think that. I have my jury still out. Um, I think it'll be like his other stuff. There'll be some good stuff in it. But it it just won't connect with me. And that's fine. But I I think this is the end of it. At least Mm. in my mind. But as far as, like, if it is really good, I mean, obviously it would be good for the rest of us, but, I mean, wouldn't it, could it just, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is could this cause or, uh, cause some sort of a fracture amongst the fandom again? Like, is this, like, the worst-case scenario if it's actually really good? Well, the fan base can't be any more fractured than it is right now in terms <laughs> of you either love Snyder with every part of your being and you will die for him, or you think he's the devil and he makes the worst movies known to man, which I hate those extremes. You can be somewhere in the middle. Um, I think even if it's successful, it doesn't mess up their plans because they're hinging so much on Flash. And if this movie is a success, then when they are making Flash, they'll just go, well, the Snyderverse is the universe over here. And we'll just continue it in this side thing. I think they really, really want Flash to work so that they can do their multiverse thing and be like, everything that's ever happened that has the name DC on it is canon, including the Supergirl movie. So I think they want, they're hoping Flash will make everything canon. That way, good or bad, they can say the Snyder Cut happened, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that that makes, no, it does. And now, as Monty Python would say, now for something entirely different. Um, I'm not going to lie. Our next topic got me real hyped. And I'm not even a big fan of the franchise. So Disney Plus, as we talked about earlier, has been delivering some pretty solid content. And the stuff that they've got coming down the pipe is stuff that people are interested in. Case in point, a new Mighty Ducks. Because that is like... 90s kids live and die by their Mighty Ducks. Like, mm-hmm. Mighty Ducks mm-hmm. is... It's going to sound horrible, but it's like the cultiest cult movie ever of... What? You don't like Mighty Ducks? It's like the Sandlot for hockey, basically. It's it's good. It's just a 90s sports movie, but it's it's fine. I, I don't really have any emotional attachment to it. That being said... I almost cheered real loud when, in the trailer, you get Emilio Estevez to show up. And I was like, okay, I already knew that he was going to be in the series, but that just... It's the Chewy We're Home moment for Mighty Ducks fans. Now, before I toss it over to Michael, I gotta say, I never realized how much Emilio Estevez looks like his dad until this trailer. Because he shows up and it's like, wait, do we... D.H. Martin Sheen? Oh, wait, no, that's Emilio Estevez. Yeah, this movie... Like, series. I watched the Sandlot... Series. I, yeah, well, it's I will series. say that... It's a mini... It's a TV series. Excuse me. So, the, the original Mighty Ducks film and the second one were some of the most rewatched films 
I've, I've, I mean, I wore out the the VHS like the rewinding. Like it's there's there are particular patches in those original films where I can't actually rewatch those because they're they've been corrupted. Because I would just go back, you know, I'd I would shut shut the TV off, get my little uh, you know rewinder, fast rewinder, and I would put it back in. So for me to see this series announced first and foremost, that was really really cool, very nostalgic. But then to see them actually bring, you know, basically Coach Bombay back, like that's really, really cool. It doesn't really capture the same magic because the first one was a little more adulty. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't as appealing to kids per se because the kids were all. They also had to, they also had like a lot of like adult humor in the actual show, and you know, just Gordon like Bobby's, Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, for me, this doesn't capture the same magic, but they're trying to take something that was cool for one generation and carry it on. I like that. Uh, they're appealing to a different audience because it's Disney Plus, you know. And so I, I understand it. I get it. Uh, it's just not. It's just not for me, and it's also not the Mighty Ducks that I know. But that's okay. Like that is fine. It's just that you know this isn't for me, and, and I guess what there's more movie fans out there than me. So overall, I think this is good. I just won't be partaking in it. I don't know, man. I think you might like it if you go into it expecting it to be different than what you know. Like I think this is Disney Plus going, holy crap, Cobra Kai did what numbers for Netflix? We need our own yeah. version of Cobra Kai, including bringing back the original cast. This feels like Cobra Kai to me. Which, y'all, if you have not watched Cobra Kai. Go watch it. It is so good. Doesn't even matter if you're a Karate Kid fan. I've got... Um, Heather and I watched it back when it was on YouTube Red. It makes it sound like hipsters. But, like, some of Heather's friends... Heather's mom texted her one day. It's like, hey, we've been watching Cobra Kai. And I'm like... Really? Okay, sure. Cobra Kai is a wonderful religion. Oh, come join the party and worship at the altar that is Ralph Macchio. Um, and William Zabka, because William Zabka is the actual star of the show. This feels like Disney Plus going Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai. But I don't mind it because Cobra Kai is awesome. I've seen some people complain in the comments because they've got nothing better to do and people just love to complain. They're like, well, why are the original Mighty Ducks the bad guys here? And I'm going, that's why you tune in to find out. Maybe, you know, since they won so much in the original movies, that went to their head and it's a winning mentality now. I don't know. Watch the show and find out. That's kind of where dramatic narrative tension comes from. You don't need to know everything going into it. Um, mm -hmm. I think this will be just like Cobra Kai in the sense of you could go in having not seen the original Mighty Ducks and just enjoy it. But you get more enjoyment out of it coming from that background and seeing alright, these are where the characters are now. And it's it is, but it isn't a continuation of the story. And in that sense, I think it might actually be up your alley, Michael, but you okay. are a curmudgeon at times. I am. I know that, and that's the <laughs> best part, is that I don't purposely ever waste time. <laughs> <sighs> now, I'm not going to lie. There's going to be a large section of our audience that are really, really excited for this, and there's also going to be a large section of our audience that really, really hate this. <laughs> I'm on the side that thinks this is a good idea. Um, and now I just lost half of you. So Robert Rodriguez recently just 
came back on everybody's radar after that amazing Boba Fett episode of The Mandalorian, but for us 90s babies, he'll always be the guy that did Spy Kids, and then you grow up realizing he did Machete and a whole bunch of adult movies. Um, Yeah. But Robert Rodriguez is like the king of action, and the entire Spy Kids trilogy is amazing. No, we do not count Spy Kids 4 with Joel McHale. That didn't happen. We don't acknowledge that. Um... Well, it's getting rebooted, but at least this time, it's getting rebooted by the original director, Robert Rodriguez. This is all because of that Netflix movie that did well recently with The Mandalorian. The Shark Boy and Lava Girl revisited all those years later. I think that's the only reason Spike Kids is coming back. That being said, I'm not mad at it. Spike Kids is a really fun and creative um, concept, and it was pretty well executed for all three of them. I know the critics didn't particularly... Love Spy Kids 3, game over. Uh, but I don't care. I had fun with that one too. Uh, I actually think the best one is the second one. Um, Island of Dreams. Excuse me? You think the second one is the best one? Yeah. Okay. Which one okay. do you th- which one do you think is the best? The fourth one with Joel McHale? No, the first one. Oh, I don't understand. The first one is I don't understand. The first one is fine, but let's see. The second one, they fight giant creatures from, like, Jason and the Argonauts versus Thumb People. I, li- I like Floops Fooglies. I don't understand why oh, this isn't even a debate. Um, okay, so, yeah, you lost. You, also, you had me. Also, the second, me. One, the second one has Steve Buscemi saying, Do you think God sits up in heaven because he's afraid of what he created? In a kid's movie! Like, come on, what kind of line is that? For hey, to be movie. honest with you, I don't care about the second or the third or the fourth one. I've also forgotten that line. That's a good point. But I watched the first one twice in theaters, and then I convinced my grandmother to buy me a ticket to watch the special edition because, I don't know if you remember this, the first one was such a big hit, they re-released it with a special edition. It was basically a director's cut. Wow, Robert and... Rodriguez was born to fill George Lucas's shoes. Yes, he was. <laughs> Uh, it's it was actually it was really cool. Um, yeah, I love the first movie, man. It's iconic, but it's the best one by far. Um, what are you expecting from something like this, though? In this in this age of remakes, reboots, returns, what have you? Like, what what do you want to see as a fan? Then I was gonna say what happens to Carmen and Junie's kids, but they already did adult Carmen and Junie in the fourth one. I never saw it, but I know that they're in it. Plus, I don't think Alexa Vega is still in acting. She has kids now. She Apparently, I discovered recently, she's married to one of the guys from Big Time Rush, which that's a blast in the past. And Junie's married to Megan Trainer. I don't think he's still acting. Um, what? He's he's married to Megan Trainer. Yep. Also, because I have to tie it into Halloween somehow, uh, Junie is in the Halloween remake from 2007 by Rob Zombie. He's the first person that gets killed by Michael Myers, and it's kind of gratifying because he's a dick in that movie. Um, which, that's a whole other side tangent there, but I would say make it about their kids, but they've already treaded that route. Plus, um, I don't think those people are acting anymore. So, maybe do some other family? Also... The big thing with Spy Kids, and I'm sure it will continue, is how many famous people they get to be in these movies. You've got uh, Carlo Gugino as the mom, Antonio Banderas as the dad, Machete. I'm sure he's got a name. I just call him Machete. Um, You've got Cheech 
Marin. Uh, the, especially the third one, you had Sylvester Stallone. You had Steve Buscemi in the second one. You had Bill Paxton at one point. Um, and I'm sure that'll continue. Getting back to what I would want to see. I don't know. Just some other family, maybe? Um, th- there's just a lot of interesting possibilities. Um, maybe something with the head of the OSS has kids that want to become Asians. But they're like, no, we know what the world is like. And they go on a mission without their parents' permission or something. So the parents have to go rescue the kids this time instead of the kids having to rescue the parents. Mm-hmm. Spitballing off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... Yeah. I mean, it depends on what they can and can bring back. I mean, they tr- all but tried to bring Lizzie McGuire back. So the idea of maybe pull, putting a lot of money on the plate and say, hey, are you really sure you're done acting? Um, well, you know, that, that would be a, you know, a good incentive, I guess. It's also a matter of um, we have to keep in mind what the story might be because this movie, while we have grown up with spy kids it's kind of like a star wars situation of because we grew up with it we want it to now be for us spy kids will Mm -hmm. never be for adults that's what other robert rodriguez movies are for this is still supposed to be targeted for children like i know some people are against this because they're just like no uh you'll ruin the original as much as i love the original they're not beyond repair they're not perfect movies um and i know a large grouping of people that really like shark boy and lava girl or they like the new one uh we can be heroes because they're just fun for kids so i think that's something very important to remember here because so many people especially with reboots of stuff that they watch as kids they they, they want it to age up with them um and that's not always the case nor should it be because some things that were meant for kids are supposed to stay for kids and that's fine mighty not mighty ducks um DuckTales got rebooted. That was still for kids, and that's fine. I don't know. I think this is a good thing, but maybe this time, Robert Rodriguez, I know you like to do the special effects yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe hire an outside source to do the special effects for you so they don't look like they were done on 2005 computers. Yeah. Yeah, this... I don't know, man. Like, is there going to be a point at which, like, this type of stuff, this nostalgic, you know, binge that we're on, is it going to be, is it going to start to become predictable? I mean, honestly, like, I I say this as, as a little bit of a, a jab, but I mean, it's going to be, not be long until we have to reboot uh, the first uh, Fast and the Furious movie. (laughs) Well, that series is wrapping up. I wouldn't be surprised if that's why that's wrapping up. Um, we're probably due for a Shrek reboot at any day now because that's 20 years old. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, it, I know it was that constant thing of, like, can we just get a new IP? But then when new IPs come out, there's not as much money made on them. So people are like, oh, man, it's like, oh, we want something new. We want something new, but then we don't pay for it. And then when something is asked to be rebooted, we whine and complain, but then we all go and spend our money on it. So what's the incentive is that, why would you spend money and time and resources on trying to develop something new when you actually have something good? I just am questioning what properties they're choosing to reboot or refresh in is all. Well, is there... here's the thing with reboots, and I'm sure I'm going to get some heat for this. I think we're getting better with how we approach reboots or remakes. 
because we're getting to that era now that it's not big wigs and suits are the ones behind reboots and remakes. I mean, they're still involved to a certain extent, but now you've got people that grew up with the originals that want to put their own spin on things. I said it before. I'll say it again. Cobra Kai is a great reboot slash continuation. The Force Awakens is a great reboot slash continuation. Um, Halloween 2018. We're getting to the point where fans of the originals are the ones being put in charge of remaking it. But also, it could be people that have different voices from the original material, which is awesome. So, we've had some bad remakes, and that will never change. But remakes are nothing new, and remakes are not going away, because there's money to be made there. And remakes, in and of themselves, are not bad things. I've said that forever, because some remakes... (gasps) are better than the original. John Carpenter's The Thing is a remake, and it's a masterpiece. It's so good. Ocean's Eleven is a remake, and it's better than the original. Sometimes that is, in fact, allowed. And I think remakes are not the scary word that they used to be. You should still go in with caution, but just because something's getting remade or rebooted doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It just means it's the end of the world if Michael Bay's the one producing it. Do, do you think that there are IPs out there that are immune from this? Not because they're good. Wizard of Oz. Just be, okay. Just there's because they're the there's a couple. fan base. Right. Okay. Wizard of Oz, I think Back to the Future is untouchable. Legally, I think it's untouchable. I think Robert Zemeckis like, made sure. That he's like, as long as I'm alive, you cannot reboot Back to the Future. Um, I'm sure there's some others that I'm just not thinking of, but there there are some that I feel like are still sacred, but, um, you, you don't think they'd ever like have a reboot, like, and I'm talking, not bring it back. Maybe, maybe I should be more specific talking about a re envisioning of what the original was. Do you think, I mean, do you think in our lifetime we'd ever see people try to on a massive scale, try to, I don't know, um, course correct like a Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I'm not talking about they need it, but do you think those are like the untouchable IPs? Well, you can still say Force Awakens is basically a reboot of A New Hope, and plenty of people have said that. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. fully agree, but um, Halloween 2018 echoes a lot of the story beats of the 78 classic. I think that's, that's a part of remakes nowadays is just copy a lot from the original, but change it up a little bit so it doesn't look like I'm copying your homework type of thing. Okay, that's fair. That, that makes sense then. Okay. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by, uh, I don't know, Disney+. Plus. Go watch WandaVision because next week we'll talk about how I may have accidentally been right about something in my Fantastic Again. Four predictions of all things because not going to spoil anything here. And they don't outright say it. I'm going to have my tinfoil hat for that, but... um. I may have been right about something about the Fantastic Four of all things. Well, Michael and I talk about this often, but one of our favorite things about movies and the movie world is trailers. Trailers are a beautiful thing. More often than not, the trailers are better than the actual movies themselves. Um, There's one guy in particular that I'm going to bring up a few times today that I genuinely love almost all of his trailers, but I'm still kind of iffy on his movies. We've already talked about them earlier today. Um, But today we're going to be talking about the best trailers 
ever best slash our favorite because they're kind of kind of the same and also uh michael and i have quite a bit of overlap if i under am understanding this because a lot of the trailers that came out we would like it's in that era that we would watch them together when we were in proximity of each other not necessarily roommates but in proximity of each other no, absolutely, we will. And uh, just for the sake of you know, consistency, if if Nate brings up one or vice versa, we'll just talk about it then and there instead of just belaying it down the road. Because uh, you know this this is something for me. It's my favorite part about about movies. I love it. I love the idea of the journey just as much as the destination. But I really love the journey. So, let's get some honorable mentions out of the way um it's ridiculously too long and that's why i don't i don't know if i count it as a trailer or like a behind the scenes but it's always considered a trailer and that's the psycho trailer for the 1960s classic by alfred hitchcock michael are you familiar at all with what the psycho trailer is or was not the trailer i'm, I'm familiar with the movie but not the trailer so the original trailer for psycho was basically alfred hitchcock walking the grounds of the bates motel on the house and everything else and describing events in the movie without saying spoilers. Like he would be walking up the stairs of um, the the house and just going, and this is where the tragedy struck. Or he'd be in the bathroom where the shower is, and he'd be able, and this is where the bad thing happened, yada yada, and just going around. But it was one of the first, like, really trailers of its kind to kind of hint at what was coming. And it's legendary, the marketing campaign for Psycho, of no one was allowed in the theater after the doors closed. And once the movie started, you couldn't enter. You had to be on time, which, can we please go back to that? I would love that because nothing annoys me more than when people are late and just, excuse me, excuse me, let me walk right in front of you. Like, guys, the movie started 20 minutes ago. That's including trailers. Um, But the Psycho trailer is just, it's iconic. It's incredibly well-known. It's... The most unique trailer that we'll talk about today, and I almost kind of borderline on it's a behind-the-scenes video, more so than a trailer, but that's neither here nor there. My other honorable mention is it's still too recent for me to consider one of the best of all time. However, it got me so hyped that I almost lost my voice on first viewing, and that is, of course, Matt Reeves' The Batman trailer, because I love that moment when he's beating the crap out of the, um, the goon. Who the hell are you? And you you think with every fiber in your being, he's going to say the Batman because that's just what Batman's done. Beats the crap out of him. I'm vengeance. I think I squealed like a five-year-old kid and cried tears of joy going back to, Batman, the animated series, he did the thing. That Besides that, the trailer's just masterful and absolutely gives away who the secret villain is. Who? Who? Um, the trailer is just wonderful. I've watched it more times than it's healthy to watch this trailer. And they've even said that this is only like 25% of the movie was filmed when they released this trailer. But oof, the Batman trailer is one of, I was about to say one of, if not the best DC trailer. But that's not necessarily true that we'll talk about today. Not at all. Uh, yes, I. I uh, it's funny. Is I had that as one of my honorable mentions too, for that very reason. Just so different. That's the best part about that for me, as someone who's not a comic book fan, 
and someone that is like, okay, we've seen Batman, okay, it's starting to, I'm starting to get a little fatigued, and then we saw this trailer, and I'm like, I am not fatigued. I am very much in intrigued by this. Wow, very different from what we've seen. So that's why, for me, it was very impactful, because it was refreshing. It, it was completely different than any other iteration that I've seen in live action. That's just me. I also, I want to give a shout out because I I follow these I follow these uh, or at least Ridley Scott's Alien franchise pretty closely and I will say that the first trailer for that first like teaser that came out for Alien Covenant definitely seemed like a course correction for the series and I I watched that a lot that came out on like Christmas Day I believe it was Christmas Day a few years ago and so that or way back in I think it was Christmas Christmas Eve or Christmas Day of 2016, and I was hyped for that. That was then, obviously. You saw the movie. Later. Yeah, then I saw the movie, and like that's the, like that's the whole thing in it itself is like we can either do bad trailers for really good movies or really great trailers for just horrible ones. Uh, and then I will add, I will add on this list not because I because it blew my mind, and then they reshot the movie and ruined it. Uh, it was 2015. I was in the parking lot at at my job. I, we, were, we were in between our senior, junior and senior year, and Comic-Con was going on, and they released the first look at Suicide Squad. Oh, and not where I thought you were going with that. It blew my mind. I, that first trailer is so dark and so eerie, and the way they introduced the Joker with Jared Leto in that at the very end is, I mean, it gave me chills. I mean, honestly, it was one of those ones I've, I've watched the most, but as far as like what it, the other ones, they may, they mean more to me, and I'll get into it. But uh, yeah, then they ruined the movie when they reshot it. So uh, it's also why it gets knocked down to honorable mentions. <laughs> so when you said uh, trailers for a movie that got reshot, that you love the trailer and were hoping that you were going to like the movie, I thought you were actually going to say Rogue One. Oh, oh yes. Uh, no, I mean, listen. I, my personal feelings aside, Rogue One's still a very good movie. It just could have been so much better. Yeah, definitely uh, agree to disagree on that one. But at least all Star Wars fans can go, Vader slaughtering innocent people's fun. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll kick us off. You talked about earlier with Alien Covenant. I'll go with Prometheus. I thought that first trailer when, at the time... They're still going, this isn't an alien movie. This isn't an alien movie. Then why are you doing a trailer that copies the alien music of the screams with the text popping up on screen? It's like, are you sure this isn't an alien movie, despite what you keep telling us? Um, but all your actual opinions on Prometheus as a movie aside, and I still remember you and I talked about this at length at Promet uh, in college because I remember saying, I hated this movie. It sucks. And you're like, it's fine. It's fine. They'll answer all the questions in the next one. You naive young boy. Um, <laughs> also, I say this to Zack Snyder too. If your movie depends on you answering questions in the next movie to support the narrative of your first movie, it's not that good of a movie. Um, it's very true. But Prometheus, I don't love the movie. That first trailer is hauntingly beautiful. It's creepy. It's ominous. It's... It's what the movie should have been, because you couldn't see the stupidity of people in a trailer. Um, 
yeah i really like that first prometheus trailer the specifically the first one um we'll we'll have to clarify for some of these and some of these will have multiple trailers for the same movie um but that first prometheus trailer was real creepy and i was all about it and then i saw the movie uh, yeah, it, it's on my list too. Yes, it's 2012 Prometheus, the very first one. It's just over a minute long. It sets the mood. The visuals for for this being almost eight years ago, it, it, they're stunning. I mean, that's the one thing we know about Ridley Scott. I mean, just shoots amazing film, and he gets some of the best, uh, the best effects in film with mix of practical effects and CGI. Like this movie still holds up. Well, I mean, it's only eight years old, but I mean. For that era, it, it's it's at well ahead of its time, visually speaking. And uh, listen, jury's still out on what he's trying to tell. Obviously, he's going after a lot of like more, more like higher themes, kind of like in a way like what I criticize Nolan of sometimes. But I followed the development of this film my entire sophomore year of high school, and my junior year, it came around where they were starting to like just figure out. Like, hey, this this is coming together. I mean, listen, I didn't pay attention at all during my junior uh, language course, uh, language class, because I was constantly reading online of like, okay, what's the what's the latest from the produ- production set? And then the trailer came out, and I lost my mind. I showed all of my friends uh, this, and I couldn't wait. And then I went and watched it, and like you said, and then I was like, huh, well, that was certainly disappointing. I'm not going to lie. To comfort you in your... I studied this every single day, only for the movie to not be so great. I have the exact same experience as you of not paying attention, except at least in mine, it was in study hall, in which case it was right before Photoshop class, so I always had access to a computer. Um, So every single day on that laptop, I would check for Dark Knight Rises updates because Dark Knight was one of the most impactful movies in my life. I'm just going, it's got to be great. And there's some weird rumors at the very early stages of the Dark Knight Rises, like Robert Williams will be the Riddler, or Le- Warner Brothers wants Leonardo DiCaprio as the villain. Uh, and I absorbed all of it, just going, I know everything is going to happen, I need to know. And the internet was right on a lot of the things. Of It was spoiled for me pretty early on that Talia al Ghul was going to be in it, but also you could see that one coming a mile away. And then I saw the movie... And I still think it's not that bad. Everyone makes it out as awful. And it's it's not one of Nolan's better ones, but it's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's not good, but it's also not the worst thing in the world. It's just, it's eh. It's got some good scenes. But that first ta- teaser trailer, it's not one we'll talk about today, but that first teaser trailer where Jim Gordon's in the hospital, I dig that one. And I watched that one an unhealthy amount, maybe two or three times a day for a solid six months it was yeah i have an unhealthy relationship with dark Knight rises yeah this this actually made my list uh for did it? all yeah it did it made my list because i mean look at the hype i mean i was i was pretty much i mean i didn't see the dark Knight until very late because just something my parents didn't want me to watch they my, mm. my parents are a little more conservative and they didn't want me to watch oh no i don't blame them yeah, and, and I'm glad, obviously, because uh, Joker is pretty sinister. Uh, and, you know, he's not – it's not a gory film, uh, Dark Knight, meaning it's not a gory film. It's not, like, super adult as far as, like, contests, not like Goodfellas or something, you know. But but what what he does and, like, the, the themes 
it is very mature. And, you know, as a middle schooler, my mom's like, nope, you are not going to watch that film. Um, so, like, that's – then I'm, I was really grateful. So I watched it, I think, my senior year of high school. And then I was like, wow, that was really good. And then this trailer came out, you know, and I'm like, wow, uh, I need to see this. And, you know, the whole idea that the, the, the football field imploding – uh, the the bridges blowing up the shot of the like the bat wing or the version of the bat wing of like they and then hearing all the, the stuff bat. and like they did it practically like that's it was it was stunning like no everyone in my high school was like we need to see this movie now so that it's just because it's not necessarily that I was blown away myself with the trailer it's what everyone else was doing and that's what made it so exciting yeah I think part of the trailer the reason why that trailer registered for so many people is the hype. There was so, so much hype for Dark Knight Rises. Like, cast your mind back, guys. We didn't have Avengers yet. That came out later that year. Nope. 2012 yep. was a good year. Um, it was. So, yeah, we were really... We weren't deprived of superhero movies, but, like, it wasn't every three months like it is now. Um, let's go with one that isn't a superhero movie, but it features a superhuman, nonetheless, who does all kinds of nuts things. One, Timothy Cruz. Um, Tom, obviously, um, Mission Impossible Fallout, that first teaser, um, where it's, oh, like, how do I describe the music? It opens with, like, um, who's the villain from five and six? Where it's like, um, oh, you're the, gonna make me do the, it. The fallout of all your transgressions, um, your, lane. your mission, uh, yeah, um, lane. yeah, he says something about, like, uh, your mission, should you choose to accept? Did you ever choose not to? Um, here's the fallout of all your failures or something like that. And then the music kicks in, and it's like this like uh, guitar version of the Mission Impossible theme with a really cool song in the background. Um, and then my hero, not Tom Cruise, the beautiful man that is Henry Cavill shows up. And him and Tom Cruise are fighting in that bathroom against that stunt double. And Tom, uh, not Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill does that thing that only he really can pull off. In which case, he cocks his arms to reload. He does that. You're like, yeah. that doesn't really make sense. But please do it again. And also, guys, go back and watch that clip. It's available in a gift form somewhere, I'm sure. When he cocks his arms, he somehow magically grows a beard. Like, his beard becomes fuller. I'm not even joking. Like, either the way that they shot it or, like, his chin flex or something to bring up stuff. But when he pumps his arms, a beard magically shows up on his face. It's the funniest really? gif ever. Um, but that trailer is amazing. And I love Fallout. Love me some Henry Cavill. Um, and, it, of course, it ends where they spoil the fact that Henry Cavill's the bad guy because you're shooting at Tom Cruise but you see Tom Cruise hanging from a helicopter which you know because he's nuts he's actually doing that that trailer highlights all the nuts stuff that he's going to be doing in this like he's going to get hit by a car he's going to fall off a helicopter hey look this is the shot where he broke his ankle we know you heard about that we put it in the trailer for you guys because he's nuts are you seeing it yet you should it's a it's a great trailer. It got me wanting to see Fallout, which I already was, but it was so good. I seen. I, mean, I went to movies looking forward to seeing this trailer ahead of the movies. I mean, it was it was that good. Uh, this would this didn't make my honorable mentions because I'm already representing the franchise in this list. 
this was it was one of the the better ones, and I I liked it much more. The thing is, I don't have any memory of Rogue Nation's trailer at all, really, for the most part. I really don't uh, have a lot of memories of Rogue Nation. It's it's really good. It's being hidden because Mich- like MI4 was like a breath of fresh air, and then Mich- then Fallout was so unbelievably good. We forget that Rogue Nation was also really really good. Uh, I've I've already mentioned this, and I want to stick in the same franchise. For me, it's Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol, because I knew what Mission Impossible was because I grew up with people. You know, it was a 90s movie. And then I knew what it was because it was it was a big action film, you know, Tom Cruise. He was in a lot of stuff growing up and in elementary school. And a TV series that all of our parents watched. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but when I went to see superhero movies, when I went to see just any movie that came out in 2011, you know, 2010, and they showed the Burj Khalifa, oh, and they showed... And they showed the shots that they did, and it was like, what is this movie? Like Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. And I was like, okay, guys, one, I'm going to buy my ticket now. Two, I need to go and watch all the other Mission Impossible films, which I did. This trailer alone forced me to go watch the other three films, and which I really enjoyed. I mean, come on, who doesn't like Lawrence Fishburne saying, I'd bleed on the flag to keep the stripes red? I mean, come on, that's, that's <laughs> one of the most painful. Patriotic lines of all time in the third one. So I was going to say that's um, in the third one. I've not. I don't remember that one very is. well from the fourth. It is. One. No, Ghost Protocol. I mean, and that was a movie that delivered too. Like, oh yeah. And and so yeah, that that trailer for me. I mean, the fact that a trailer can make me go watch the rest of the franchise. I mean, that's indicative of what a marketing team is supposed to do. And yeah, that shot where they're the helicopters flying over the Burj Khalifa, and you're like tallest building in the world. Oh, and he's going to do what now? Uh, that Oh, my gosh, man. Like, it gave me chills. So, you said a trailer can make you do something. Um, watch the six degrees of separation here. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, still my favorite one of the franchise, directed by Brad Bird. Brad Bird also did Get the Jar Out, Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. The Iron Giant also appeared in the Ready Player One trailer. I had no idea what Ready Player One was at all. I heard a whole bunch of people talk about it. And then the trailer comes out, and it shows this, like, um, video game character standing next to the Iron Giant on a hill. I'm like, I don't know what Ready Player One is, but I need to read this entire book, like, now, because I need to know what magic the Iron Giant is doing, because anything Iron Giant, I must consume into my soul. Spoiler alert, Iron Giant isn't in the book. Biggest... Miss marketing ever. I was so pissed. Um, let's get back to something better, though. Um, let's not do the sad one yet. Let's do the one that, if they had awards for best trailer, this would probably win the Oscar, because I feel like this movie itself won quite a few Oscars. It's the only time I've thought... Well, I won't say that. He's been good in some other things, but typically, I'm not the biggest Jesse Eisenberg fan. I normally hate him. I think he's really, really annoying. I thought he was the worst Lex Luthor. He's fine in Zombieland. I actually kind of like him in Zombieland. But he plays unlikable really, really well in the social network. And that first trailer. I didn't have Facebook at the time. I didn't know anything about Facebook. I was with some friends in high school when we saw it. Um, And they must have already seen the trailer. Because one of them leans over to me and she's like, Oh, I'm really, really excited for this one. I can't wait to see this one. I was like, I have no idea what's happening here. And as the trailer's finishing up, I was like, 
I still don't know what this is about. I know what Facebook is, but was there issues when they made Facebook? Okay, sure. I didn't get around to seeing it many, many years later, but that first trailer immediately tells you everything you need to know about the movie of, was Facebook a stolen idea? Was it this? Was it that? The music is haunting. It's the like the antithesis to typical typical trailer music which is like big bombastic you must see this this is like slow deliberate it told the story within itself and also didn't give away anything uh it's a pretty really really well made trailer for a movie that i had no desire to see but the trailer at least made me curious about it and that's the job of a trailer no absolutely and i remember how it should have ended also even crediting how good the one the movie was and also the trailer uh to that when when that Soul series was really, really popular about a decade ago. Um, yeah, I, I remember seeing like the, the trailer for this and thinking, well, that's interesting, and it wasn't until many years later uh, that I watched it. Also spurred on to the fact that you know it was written by Aaron Sorkin, and I was like, okay, well, I need to watch it right now. Uh, so there was, man, I'll say this, what, what, a, what a great movie, and I don't know how accurate it was, but it's nice in this particular sense that we're, we're covering many different genres, and different approaches, and I think that's the the job of marketing team is is to understand the vision. And if they don't understand the vision of what like what the movie's for, like what the purpose is, it can really lead to some disparate you know disparate um, views between the marketing team and the actual team making the film. And then that's what would translate over to the audience is like, wow, like this is not what I thought it was going to be. And you're right, like it was. It was very compelling. I don't have a lot of memories about it, but I do remember seeing it. And this is amazing, though. We're talking about like trailers we haven't seen in like a decade, but that's the result of great teams. Like they stick with you. There's there's moments, and you know I think that's just a testament to to those who just hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. What you got so, next on your list? Yeah. So I I don't I don't know if there's a I, I will go back a ways because uh, growing up elementary school. A very small private school. We didn't have a lot of resources. There weren't a lot of field trip days. Well, this particular day, uh, right before the holiday break, uh, we go up to watch a really stupid nature documentary at the IMAX theater that's in our state capital because I still live in a town that's really small. We don't have an IMAX theater. So this, so one, the field trip is special. Two, IMAX theater, very special. Three, documentary, I don't care. We'll take it. I just want to be out of school, and we're going to go to an IMAX theater. Well, before we see this documentary, they play some trailers. And one of those trailers, and I'm, you said you're going to lose some people as Spy Kids. You're absolutely going to lose. I'm going to lose people here too, so I apologize. The year is 2004, right before the holidays. It's a movie starring uh, Tom Hanks like eight times, and it's the Polar Express. That ah! trailer to that. The Nightmare was, Fuel. It was in 3D because it was a 3D documentary, nature documentary. It was so well done, and I was like, I told my mom after this trip, I said, Mom, you and Dad and I need to go watch this movie. And I remember, like, I remember the trailer, and then I remember going and watching the movie. I remember where we ate dinner afterwards. Like, I remember all that stuff. And I, seriously, man, if you want to watch a fantastic trailer to a film, 2004 Polar Express, amazing. Also, my second favorite Christmas movie of all time. I'm one of the dissenters. I know. I love the film. It will forever be one of my favorites. You can redeem yourself, though. You said it's your second. What's your favorite Christmas movie? There is a right answer here. 
Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I so I don't know if there's it's the right answer, but it's the only answer for me, and that's the original Rudolph. That's not the correct answer. <laughs> Come on, claymation like the Rudolph. It's iconic. That's not even the best Rankin and Bass movie. A year without a Santa Claus? Come on. No, the best Christmas movie ever is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That cat had nine lives to just spend them all. I've seen the movie once, and I never want to see that movie ever again. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, I just, uh, I'll probably never be People back at on home? the podcast. Huh? Do we need to vote Michael out? Because <laughs> this is heresy. Smoking. You are literally the only person I've ever met that does not like Christmas Vacation because you have no soul. Come it's on. It's funny. Like, I'll say it's what it has some of the funnier moments, but I'm like, I don't really have any desire to watch it again. You would I'm rather sorry, watch Rudolph than Christmas Vacation. It's it's a family thing. Let's blame my family. I grew up with it. It's, it's my barely tradition. a movie. It's like 30 minutes. But it's it was done in like the 50s. I mean, yeah, it was like so? a TV special. All right. Snow all right, White was right. done before that, and that's a full-length movie. Okay. Right. Okay. While we're, I'm sad right now because of Michael. Let's stay sad and talk about <laughs> Logan. Because, oh my gosh, my heart fell into a thousand million pieces when that first Logan trailer came with Johnny Cash's Hurt playing in the background. Because as soon as you start it, you're just like, oh cool, it's a new X Men movie. I can't wait. I hurt myself today. You're like. Oh, mm. oh, are you feeling okay? To see if I still feel, oh, oh, is everyone going to die in this? Yes, yes. If you think you're going to get attached to any character, don't. Because <laughs> um, I, I liked but didn't love the X-Men movies. They're very hit or miss. But through the, the constant through all of that was Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. That was, like, the best thing about all those movies. So to hear he's going away after this one, this is his final one, you already come in with the really, really heavy emotions. And then you get the most emotional song ever written, Johnny Cash, uh, Johnny Cash's version of Nine Inch Nails, Hurt, and you're like, already, this is very different. Like, I know James Mangle did The Wolverine, which was fine. But this doesn't feel like a comic book movie. This feels more like a just a drama of a hurt man with his hurt father figure who are doing one last road trip. This feels so different. There's very little action. It's a lot of shots of characters. It really reflects on this will be the last time you see these characters go into this movie expecting sadness because that is what you will walk away with. But it it's a sad movie, but it's a good movie. I still think it's one of the best comic book movies ever made. I came out of that theater, one, with my eyes absolutely in tears. I don't even care that I was with people. It was, oh, I was just like, ugh, gutted, but in the best possible way. Like, I'm only going to watch this every couple of years because it's such a tough watch. But that trailer immediately reinforced to you that Forget everything you know about the X-Men movies because this, this is something different. This is something special. This is a goodbye. It ain't going to be an easy goodbye, but it's the goodbye that all the people involved have deserved and needed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. I remember the the effect that it had on a lot of people. I know that we talked about it at the time. Uh, marketing wise, certainly one of the best trailers of all time and the movie didn't disappoint uh, as far as like the tone it did not betray the tone of the trailer they let you know very early on what to expect total totally get it totally get uh, why you put it on there uh, and you know it just it goes to show that trailers can have multiple different effects on people and still get you to come to the theater for it um, movie that I didn't go I mean I went and saw because I listen I'm sorry I went and saw this movie because I because of the trailer. And I hadn't seen the other two in theaters. I actually watched them on, like I think it was like FX or something. So there was the first one in the franchise that I went and saw because I thought the trailer was really good. Listen, you're going to hate me for it, but it's epic. And that is 2011's trailer for the 2012 film Transformers Dark of the Moon. That trailer is magnificent. I mean, it ends with the Transformers taking down a building in Chicago and are like, okay, you know, this movie's probably going to be stupid, which it was, uh, but I want to see that and the effects, and I want to see the practical effects. I want to see it all, and it didn't disappoint. There are some breathtaking shots that he gets in this third movie. There's also some of the dumbest things you'll ever see in the franchise, mm-hmm. um, but my goodness, that first that the first trailer to Dark of the Moon is phenomenal. I remember it was one of the first ones I actually downloaded because I my parents got like an HD monitor and I was like I want to watch this and of course back then 720p glory. I was like <laughs> I, I was like my gosh like this is amazing. Like the effects are great and I'm like I got to watch that building collapse again. So uh, I know I probably lost some respect there man, but hey, he got no. me. It's it's, no. it's big colors and action. I'm so glad you brought that up because while I don't have any of the Transformers ones on my list, uh, the third one is where I tapped out. The third one I thought was stupid. That's where I stopped with Transformers movies because I was sure. tired of getting baited. But Michael Bay, I don't think he makes good movies, but he makes outstanding trailers. And I think that's like 50% of the success of the Transformers movies is suckering people in going, this will be better than the last one because look at this thing that you see in a trailer. Doesn't that look awesome? Right. And then, that worked for the first three or four movies, and then people got tired of the shtick of, okay, the trailers are good, but the movies are terrible, so we're just not going to go. And then I think it was The Last night didn't do very well, so they needed to reboot it, and then they did Bumblebee, yay. Um, yeah, I think Michael Bay makes fantastic trailers, and I think that comes from his commercial background because he did commercials before he did movies. Um, so he's used to condensing stuff and just have the cool-looking stuff. It's when he has to flesh the cool-looking stuff out. Um, I think his storytelling prowess is kind of hit or miss, but visually, his stuff is spectacular. Like, he knows how to make things feel epic and grand and scale, like a certain uh, somebody else. Let's uh, let's talk uh-huh. about one Zachary oh, Snyder. There we go. I, I knew it was coming. Zachary Q. Snyder, Zachary Quinto Snyder. Um. I actually have two Zack Snyder movies we'll talk about today. I'll go with the one that I'm pretty sure is not on Michael's list. Um, the Watchmen trailer. Yeah, uh, I did not. not my list. I did not grow up reading The Watchmen, nor should any child grow up reading Watchmen. It is a phenomenal comic that changed the industry, but it is not for children. Um, the only reason I remember seeing the trailer so often is because I watched, like you did with your Mighty Ducks. 
I watch my Dark Knight DVD to death over and over and over again. At the beginning of the DVD, they always had a trailer for Watchmen because that was the next comic book related movie. And I was like, I have known nothing about this world. But this trailer, it's hypnotic. I'm like sucked in with the slow-mo and the music. And having now read Watchmen and seen the movie, which I actually think is one of Zack Snyder's better movies. I really actually like Watchmen quite a bit. Just seeing the shot-for-shot, painstaking recreations of the comics. Um, it just, like, sucks you in. You don't know... Even if you don't know anything about Watchmen, you're like, this is different. It's slower, hypnotic. It's bizarre. It's different. It's captivating. I don't know what is happening, but I want to know what's happening. Um, but we'll, we'll save the other... Do you want to talk about the other Snyder one that's on both of our lists? Or do you want to save that one for yeah. later? No, let's talk about it now because uh, I'll I'll just tease it into it. It's something that uh, I won't hide it. It's the the first at least for me. It's the first two teasers uh, that were split between uh, Paul Kent and I guess was it not Cal L but uh, Jor Jor L yeah Jor L so, uh, teasers for Man of Steel. I mean the fa- not just the fact that. I think it's perfect. I think like it's a perfect teaser. There's not one wasted shot or dialogue, and then you borrowed the bridge of Casa Doom. Mm-hmm. You know, death sequence music from Gandalf. Shut up. This we watched this. I came down. I talked to you about it, and then went back to my dorm room and watched it again. And I had this on repeat. I sent this to my dad because my dad's a massive Superman fan. And we talked, my dad and I talked about it. And this hit every single beat it needed to. And it's it's not like, it gets you excited because it hits you in that awe-inspiring way. And there's also like a hint of just a little bit of somberness in there just to kind of like tie it, like to, just to kind of like tie all the emotions together. I mean, it almost brought tears in a way. Like that's the, that's the, emotion it's going for it's not trying to get you to like raise your fist and like have one of those big batman like batman moments it's trying to get you to just sit back and go oh my gosh this is gonna be epic uh, and that's exactly what it did for me i actually have two of the man of steel trailers i love the teaser more than any of the other trailers but i also think i think it was trailer number three which basically kind of outlines what the story will be it starts with that famous doo-doo and it shows oh, krypton yeah. being destroyed uh, and then it kind of goes through it um and you get all of that and the music starts building you first get that first taste of what the new superman music will be and you're like i really dig this you're right, that first teaser trailer, which I kind of lean more towards the Jor-El one because he almost spits verbatim the lines from All-Star Superman, which, if you want to get to me, it's that trailer, man, of mm-hmm. you will give the people an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders and then he breaks the sound barrier like hype 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 (laughs) like it's like i'm gonna fly watching this um and then you watch the movie and i will still say the first half is great um i think it's got pacing issues um i think the first half when he's in learning who he is is fantastic um once somebody brought it to my attention i can't unsee it of normally when a superhero 
like in my Nightwing story pitch, there's a reason why they upgrade their suit or have to change what their appearance is. Um, they start with one suit and then they get it to a different one later on for whatever reason. In Superman, there's no actual storytelling reason why he wears a Superman suit. It's, hey, I found my parents. This is what they wear on my home planet. It's not like a, I'm choosing to be Superman now. It's a, well, here's my outfit. Thanks, dad, I guess. Can I call you dad? You feel like a dad to me. Um, And I'll... Like, all the action is in the second half, and it's not paced well. But I still I still really enjoy Man of Steel. But that first teaser trailer going, oh, my gosh. And then all the subsequent trailers making you really think they're going to just nail Superman. And I still think it's a good Superman Zero year. He's not Superman yet. That's why I'm willing to give uh, Snyder the benefit of the doubt that by the end of Justice League, he will be the Superman that we know and love. Because I've said before, the shot of him in the... Joss Whedon Justice League when he opens up his shirt and he's got the S that's a Snyder shot not a Whedon shot because Henry Cavill's uh, face looks normal there um, I will still go back and watch the Man of Steel trailers because I love them so much and I love Superman so much here's the sad thing here's here's my admission for the week when I hear the Bridge of Casa Doom music now oh. I don't think Bridge of Casa Doom because when I first watched it, watched the trailer, I had seen Lord of the Rings numerous times, but the music it just wasn't registering to me. This is the music when Gandalf dies. When I hear that music, I go, oh, yes, yeah, so that's the Man of Steel trailer music. <laughs> that's funny. So I remember telling you that. I'm like, why? They, they borrowed the music from that, from oh, that moment. Yeah, it, you mean like how Wonder Woman 1984 borrowed the music from Sunshine for when she gets a special power? But whatever. Oh, sure. Hey, you know, why not? Hey, um, it's all in the industry. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Like, seriously, like this this was one of those that we talked about, which, I, you know, for me, well, there's one more on here that we talked about to death uh, while we were at school. Uh, I'll, Let's save I'll that one you. for last. Let's save those yeah, couple yeah. for last because I'm sure yeah, it's not sure. one. Yeah, no, it isn't. Um, I'll flash back to high school. I'll flash back to when I was on vacation with my parents in 2010. And this was the culmination of a massive franchise. And again, it's it's something that I've never watched trailers in HD at that point. I still had my little iPod Touch, but I was able to get a hand on faster internet and watch it on an HD screen. And and that is just very specific. It's the full trailer to both Part One and Part Two of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. The first trailer they gave was to both parts, and it is magnificent. Uh, as a huge Potter fan. Like this, seeing this and following the development on those those films was huge, and that first one when they previewed both of them, oh my gosh! That I downloaded the trailer music because there's three different tracks that were used, and I still have them on my playlist on Spotify to this day because the music is so good, and the the visuals are amazing. So yes, 2010 Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One and Two teaser is the full like title of it very nice very nice um i've got four more michael how many more you got um because i went ahead of you i skipped i skipped ahead no that... i have i have three more I have oh three more. okay no, uh cool right. then i'll go with one that i know for a fact is not on michael's list because michael would never ever watch this movie but uh the trailer for this came out when we were in college and i remember watch showing it to anybody that would watch it that was even remotely interested in horror because 
very rarely does a horror trailer ever scare me because all horror trailers are the same. Look at this spooky thing. This thing jumps out at you. Look at Annabelle. Isn't she a creepy doll? No, not really. Look, she blinked. Isn't that creepy? I'm like, I blink. Am I? Don't answer that. Um, But the trailer for a movie, a foreign movie, I believe it's a German movie, called Good Night, Mommy. Good night. I'm not sleeping tonight. Because holy jeebus, this was terrifying. So the premise of this movie is there's two boys whose mom recently had plastic surgery and they believe something's wrong and it is not their actual mother. And this trailer goes to terrifying places very, very quickly. It's not one of those jump and startle you because, huh, gotcha. It's more just like a something crawled in your ear and it's burrowing, nestled into your brain and it will eat away for the rest of your day until you watch this movie. I spent years trying to find this movie because of how terrifying this trailer was. Um, also, when I did finally watch it, brilliant twist. Um, the really, really good plot twist. And it, it's a different type of horror. It's not one of those like a slasher, like a Halloween or an Annabelle, where it's just like, here's the creepy thing. Run from the creepy thing. It is a slow burn, but uh, you at some points in this slow burn, you're you're just hoping for the jump scares just so you can breathe a little bit. But this the trailer just keeps building the uncomfortableness, the tension, the nerve wrackingness. It's just no, thank you. But yes, thank you at the same time. Um, Michael, I know I sent it to you. Did you brave yourself enough to watch it? Absolutely not. If it scared <laughs> you, I want I want to sleep tonight. Um, I Probably appreciate good. the thought though. Um. I, I will say this. I, I definitely understand like the that adrenaline rush of being scared. I need your help here because I the the one thing I didn't put on there because I saw the short film on YouTube, which absolutely scared the crap out of me. What what was the film that came out like our senior year? At least the, the trailer. Lights did? out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dude, don't you ever, people at home, don't you ever tell me that PG thirteen movies can't scare the ever living crap out of you? Because Heather and I watched. Um, insidious which is pg-13 we're like eh, it's pg-13 how scary can it be nope 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 and then we made Terrible. the same mistake with lights out we're just going well i like david f sandberg shazam was great because yes it's by the same guy that did shazam um and i was doing okay with lights out until there's a scene where of course the whole thing with lights out is uh the monster only shows up when there's no light if you turn the light on it disappears while well, the kid is like has all the lights on in his room, so he's safe in his room. He looks over down the hall to where his mom's door is open. It's pitch black, and it's fine. She's just standing in the door. She's like, "Go to bed, sweetie." And then at the top right corner of the doorway, hands start crawl, just like peel open, and then a head like turns from the top right corner of the doorway, and it's. <laughs> Nope, 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 nope. Kid, close the door, go to bed, close the door, go to bed, close the door, go to bed. Because and normally in horror movies, they would cut away to the kid and then cut back to, there's a creepy thing standing behind mom. But the fact that it actually happened while they're still talking, and it wasn't a jump scare, but an actual slow build of, oh god, there's fingers. Why are there fingers on the doorway? Oh, that's a head. Okay, no thank you, no thank you. Yeah, lights out. Watch the short film. I don't think oh. you. I don't think you can handle the movie, dude. <laughs> the movie's great. The, the, the short film. 
the short film is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. I, I showed it to Dan, I showed it to Jonathan, I showed it to Jared, and they all were like, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, how it's amazing. The film, the thing's like two minutes. Like it, that's what's insane is that the tension right away. I mean, you, I mean, the way they do the short film, it's basically a trailer. Uh, in a way, because how short it is, and I watch this, and like within ten seconds, you're like, oh, 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 Lord, please, and and at the end, oh my gosh, like so, I get it. Like so, there's only certain things where I like feeling that way, but yeah, t- today wasn't one of them, so I I had to pass on. So um, I'm glad you bring it up. Uh, for those that don't know, David F. Sandberg, the guy that did Lights Out, that did Shazam, that did Annabelle Creation, he actually started as a YouTuber. Um, and he still is actually on YouTube to this day, still making videos from time to time. Uh, search it, Pony Smasher. He has a whole bunch of different rant videos. He did a video a few weeks ago that I really liked. It was called, um, Can You Be an Introverted Director? Where he's just like, hey, I make big budget movies. I'm introverted and I don't like people. Um, but I still direct stuff. You can make it work. Or he'll just do, like, do really low budget how-to stuff. Because he still makes horror short films with his wife in his free time when he's not making, you know... Shazam and other big budget movies. He's a really, really chill dude. He's got this really, really funny one I need to send you about how test screenings work and why he hates them. Um, he's a really cool dude. So if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, Pony Smasher on YouTube. David F. Sandberg yeah. is a really, really funny dude. Uh, and uh, But you should probably subscribe to this channel first before you go to that. I just want to say. Um, Fair enough. All right. So keeping with our college era, because of the hype and success of its predecessor, I was counting down the hours, minutes, and seconds to this movie's teaser release, as well as my roommates. And in fact, this was one of the bigger uh, uh, trailer debuts of all time because of the amount of views it racked up. And that's uh, the Age of Ultron teaser from 2014. Mm. That trailer did an amazing job of selling the film. I mean, the fact that it wrapped up was like the highest, you know, at that time it set the record for the most views in 24 hours, as it should, because that trailer was excellent. I remember, like, that trailer was like, you know, as an announcement, like, tickets are on sale. I bought tickets opening night. I maxed to go see it in the middle of a college school year and finals. Of course I did. Why would I not do that? You know, in, in fact, Nate, we actually, we actually drove out of state because we went up to Indiana to that IMAX, and I can't remember what that IMAX is that was closer to school, but it was like an hour away. So I, but I remember that trailer at the end of that teaser, like tickets were on sale. So uh, I don't know, man. I didn't really care for Age of Ultron that much, but nope. I thought the trailer was really, really good. Yeah, I think Age of Ultron's the weakest of all the Avengers movies. Is that trailer the one where Ultron has the uh, "There are no strings on me" at the end? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was that was good. There's no way Age of Ultron was ever going to live up to the heights of the original Avengers. But yeah, that first trailer made you think that, Oh, maybe they can do it. Exactly. Yeah. They, they did everything they could. And I, you know, again, marketing teams. And that's a wonder is that here, here's the thing though. I, you have to ask, cause I know that it's not all the time that, that for in particular, like these, these studios, they have marketing teams that take this and then they're the ones that cut it. It's actually not the director, but yep. is that just Suicide based Squad. on the, yeah, is that based on the contract that the director signs, or if a director's big enough, like Nolan, is Nolan or is Spielberg, are they directing their own trailers at all? Very rarely, no, because I know a lot of um, directors uh, will 
often go out and go, yeah, we, we didn't really dig this trailer. Uh, one that I thought was really interesting one time was Jason Blum, who's not a director, but he's a producer. He's the head of Blumhouse. Um, he basically said, it's a tricky line that we have to walk when we're making trailers of, we need to get butts and seats. So sometimes that means spoiling some story elements, but at the same time, we want to hold up the artist's integrity by not spoiling story beats. So there's, there's that fine line that he talked about. That's, that's actually really interesting. Uh, he's he's definitely one of my favorite people in the industry because Jason Blum is very blunt with everything. Of He's just like, this worked, this didn't. We screwed this up. This worked well for us. He's very brutally honest. He listens to the fans. He's a very smart businessman, and I think that's a... I really like Jason Blum. Um, Blumhouse... Known for horrors, but sometimes they have my favorite genre, which is horror comedies. My next trailer is for sure a horror comedy. Like Goodnight Mommy, it's one that I saw the trailer and I spent what felt like a lifetime trying to track it down and find it because I could not find it for the life of me. And then eventually, I found it at Family Video. But because it was a lesser-known indie movie, they only had one copy in stock. So I had to wait and check and check and check and check until Family Video finally had Taika Waititi's What We Do in the Shadows. If you have not watched the trailer for What We Do in the Shadows, the original movie, not the show, go watch the trailer if you haven't even seen the movie because I cannot recommend the movie enough. Oh, my goodness. And this trailer... Very rarely does a comedy trailer make me go, I need to see that right now. Because typically they have the funniest jokes in the trailer and it's it's whatever. Something about what we do in the shadows of these modern day vampires living in a flat together but don't get along. I don't know, just sucked me in. And it was so funny of just like, Deacon, you're a cool guy and all, but you haven't done uh, the dishes in five years. Well, I'm glad to hear you think I'm a cool guy. No, no, that's not what he's talking. I know what he's talking about, but I like the positive affirmation. Um, or just like uh, they get a human friend to teach them things. And so he's teaching them karate. So he's just like, kick me here. And so the vampire like just actually like fly kicks over to him. Um, it was just like this stupid warped humor that I was like, I don't know who this Taika Watiti is or why I should care about this. But I need to see this movie now, even if it's the stupidest movie in the world. I need to see it. And I finally saw it. And now it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. What We Do in the Shadows. The trailer alone is hysterical. But when you finally get to see the movie. They don't put all the funny lines in the trailer. They have so much more to that. Because Jermaine Clement is so funny. Taika Waititi is so funny. I it, I can never hype this trailer up enough. It single handedly made me go. Who is this Taika? And I need to pay attention to him. And yes. It is the same Taika that did Ragnarok. You know that's that that's something that uh, is probably you know we could have our own discussion on like probably the hardest genre to market. It's got to be comedy because you know if you're a marketing team and you're like, well, this movie's not that good, but we need to do our job of get butts and seats. We need to put the you know the best jokes in the in the actual trailer, and then hope people will come. Or if you have a great uh, movie, you're actually everyone's a believer. It's that discernment factor of like, what do you actually put in there? You know, like, what, what, when is enough? And I would think comedy is probably the hardest to market. I, and for that reason alone, because there's not a lot to a comedy. I mean, even the basis, basic, mo- most action based films, 
you can throw in a couple jokes in there because it, it's you know you're trying to do one thing, just give a lot of explosions, throw a little bit of humor, and then boom, you're dynamic. But it's just a straight up comedy that's so hard to do. Um, so I kudos to them. I'm glad that 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 certainly uh, paid off. Um, my my second to last one here. Uh, we've talked a lot about this you know particular universe as of late. I was about to say I think our last two are the same. Yes, last two are the same. Listen, my father is a massive Godzilla fan, and so when they announced that they were going to try to do another American version that was a little more grounded, uh, not as, you know, bombastic or lunic, like, like what's the word, ludicrous, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Doesn't have an iguanodon. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking, okay, let's, let's see this. And we're not going to talk about the film and what happens to Brian Cranston... But that the fact that's that the only fault. That's the best, only fault I have with the trailer. Yeah, it, but but the trailer itself, the fact that Brian Cranston's acting his you know what off during this, it it just adds that level of what are we about to like witness? Like if you didn't know what this trailer was at all, if you were like seeing it in theaters, it didn't see like the YouTube banner. Uh, and then it ultimately is revealed Godzilla, and you get just a glimpse of him. I lost my mind. Like I, this this is only is superseded by what was to come later that year mm-hmm. uh, in 2014. Yeah. But that first that first trailer in February of 2014 for Godzilla, I ran as fast as I could. I I told my dad. I texted him. I said, please. Watch this right now. Go to YouTube and look this up, Dad. I can't believe it. I can't wait to watch this with you. And we had a great time with the movie as well. But my gosh, that trailer! It is, it is magnificent. People, if you treat yourself tonight, go watch the God, original Godzilla 2014 trailer. Yeah, it is so good. Minus the fact that you know false advertising with Brian Cranston, which still annoys yeah. me to this day. Um, but yeah, that trailer is a masterclass. Rewatching it because I rewatched all the trailers for research for this just to kind of reacquaint myself. Some of them I hadn't seen in a very long time. That Godzilla one still holds up. The only thing I would change is I would make it a little shorter. And here's why. Um, There's that great shot in the teaser where you have a whole bunch of soldiers on the roof. They shoot up flares way high up in the air and they hit Godzilla in the side and you kind of get this sense of how big he is, but you still don't get a shot of him. I would have cut the trailer there. Cut to black then you hear the Godzilla roar. That way you still don't know what he looks like, but you get that sense of, oh my God, they're on top of a skyscraper, shot a flare up, and they still didn't get to the top of him. Because then that moment, like the bass rumbles, and you're like, this thing's huge. I just would have cut it there, but that's just me nitpicking. That trailer's magnificent. I have some issues with the movie itself, primarily human okay. characters. Looking at you, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, you weren't quite the actress that you are today. Um, well, Elizabeth Olsen, Aaron Taylor Johnson, I still don't think is necessarily the greatest actor out there. Um, but that first trailer, man, oh boy. Even me, who wasn't a big Godzilla fan, was super hyped. Uh, but one of my buddies, who's the biggest Godzilla fan in the world, was like on cloud nine like <laughs> yes hap i will be happy when the uncharted trailer drops i will not be even remotely as close to happy as he was when the godzilla trailer came out like mm-hmm. that man had tears of joy i am pretty sure well 
I'll be honest, that trailer didn't move me to tears of joy, but one did time and time again. (laughs) Not just one trailer, but two separate trailers. Actually, all the trailers for this movie. All of them. Let's be honest. Because I thought I remembered them being the same trailer, but apparently it's two different trailers for The Force Awakens. That first teaser where it's just like, oh, someone's writing the chocolate bar that looks like the skiff that looks like a chocolate bar. I still think that to this day, it looks like those Godiva dipped cones. That thing that Ray rides, it looks like one of those chocolate dipped Uh, cones that's turned sideways. I still think that. Then you see BB-8. Then you see Kylo Ren with the tri-saber, which the internet immediately was like, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, is that the is that the money shot for the trailer? Um, the darkness rises. No, it's something about um, the force. Something about the force rising and the darkness to meet it, or something like that. You go to black. You're like, was that was that it? Was that the money shot of the tri-saber? Ba banana as the Millennium Falcon does a barrel roll. Is like, it's the Millennium Falcon. So. Yeah. I normally am like on it with trailers. I'll watch them like as soon as they come out. My parents not so much because they're not on social media. I remember going to my parents and showing them the trailer. My dad normally when he sees trailers, he's just like, "That's fine." He do- he like doesn't react like I would. Like he's but much more reserved. He had the biggest grin on his face, just the biggest smile when he saw the Millennium Falcon. It's just like, ah. And as good as that was of just sheer ecstaticness. I I'm I genuinely think I lost my voice and cried tears of happiness when you think, man, that's that's a good enough trailer. I don't think they can top that. They don't need to top that. Chewy, we're home. That, like, grown men tears. That's another one that when I finally showed my parents, my dad was just grinning from ear to ear, just like he saw an old friend again for the first time in many, many years, like, I don't even care. It's Han and Chewie back on the Millennium Falcon, which for a while there, I thought for some reason that was the same trailer, but both of those trailers are outstanding. Um, I'm g- I'm sure we'll keep gushing about it, but I'll toss it over for you to a little bit. Um, tears yeah. of joy for you as well. Oh, I, yes. I, uh, I remember going into a dark room, turning my phone up to the maximum brightness and then I watched it three or four times and yeah, it was black Friday, 2014. There's the black Friday te- teaser that was like that minute long perfect again i will say along with like the man of steel that minute and like prometheus like there's there's something about just that one minute um time frame where you can cram so much stuff in so therefore like nothing is wasted but yeah that that first one man the music cues the cuts the the fact you're like okay so it's cgi and practical effects and like all this stuff looks incredible like i just remember like just being in in shock of like how good it looked and then just like okay like that's a cool new uh red lightsaber um, and then then you're right like there was another teaser that came out with that the iconic shot is the x-wings coming across the the water my favorite moment um, from force awakens actually yeah um and then then finally it's the chewy were home trailer which that's that was the full debut trailer at the end of was that was that the they showed that at the end of uh, oh, uh, Star Wars Celebration. That, yeah, it was Celebration. I was that one made me late to class. So. I remember that day. I yes, remember you, that. You should. 
because yes. I found you in the library after I yes, had it. Yes, I was in the library. Because yes. we were live stream. I was at lunch in the cafeteria and I was live streaming it on my phone. You, I didn't even know you were in the library, but um, I think Heather was with me. I can verify her w- with her after the podcast, but I was watching the live stream and then I see the trailer. It's just, <gasps> I need to hug something. I don't care if it's a animal or a person i just need to hug something and just scream not mad or sad just just noise comes out of my body because i was just so happy it was just so right it was just so right because guys cast last jedi and rise of skywalker out of your mind and just go back to the good old days before force awakens came out the hype the hype for it was just this sense and relief that Star Wars is back. It's the classic Star Wars that you know and love. The hype for Force Awakens was unreal. And still to this day, I will argue and say it lived up to the hype. I love Force Awakens. You can never change my mind on that. You can just be like, uh, it's just a new hope again. I don't care. It was fun. It felt like Star Wars. It was an adventure and I loved every minute of it. Um, and then to counter that, I think the third trailer was also really, really good of the Jedi, the Jedi, it's all true, all of it with Han Solo. And then just the music builds and builds and do, 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 as you see the X-Wing shoot down a TIE fighter and just fly through the explosion. Oh, it, all the Force Awakens trailers are masterpieces and still to this day, even having seen the movie, all these years later, I still, as you can tell, still get amped for those trailers. Just going, oh yes, Star Wars is back. Like the yeah. st- the multi generational Star Wars is back. Not just the children targeted Star Wars, like the prequels. As much as we love them, they're clearly aimed for children. Whereas Force Awakens is targeted for families, and it just felt this is what we've wanted. This just feels right, and it just no trailer has What's- been able to replicate that for me. What was the Chewie were home trailer? Was that the same one with when you saw Poe Dameron for the first time? Uh, no. You see Poe in the first teaser when you see the Ray riding the ice cream bar. Then you see BB-8. Then you see Poe in the X-wing. Uh, and then you go to black. Uh, and then I feel like you see something else. And then it goes to black again. Then you see Kylo with the lightsaber. Okay, so that's all on the same one. Okay, so the second one was the April. Was that the end of celebration? Was the Chewie were home? Yes. And then the, then the third one is the final third, trailer with the. Or is the final trailer that came out in October? Do you remember? Do you remember that one as much? Because that was the one where the where the all the sites crashed for tickets wise. And I remember that's the uh, one is like my, um the Jedi. They were real. The Force. It's real. Yeah. All of it. That so, that was the third one. Okay, so I remember where I was at with all three of those. Like that—that's like it, it's kind of like one of those event. Like it's a holiday type of moment of like I remember where I was, what I was doing, who I was with, and every single one of those trailers. What does that say? It says that I'm 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 really I'm really sad person for one. But like the idea that like those were so impactful because you're right, the hype was unreal. We had never experienced something like that before. Uh, it, well at least to an extent where we could remember it like we're talking about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I remember at least the third one. I was I was in class again because, again, the Chewy Were Home trailer, I was late for class because of that because I got it. caught up talking to you. Worth yeah, it. Absolutely worth it. And then the other one was 
when I was at the end of class because it aired in, in at the halftime of Monday Night Football, and I was also in class, you know, completely not taking notes, just following that. And then, then that's when the tickets went on sale, and by the skin of our teeth, my friend Stefan was able to get us our tickets at IMAX opening night. But that was through all the sites crashing. That was like one of the first films that were like, yeah, we just overloaded the servers. And I remember that happening yeah, for Endgame. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Uh, did you did you actually get your tickets to to Force Awakens for opening night as well? Yes, but so my family's old fashioned sometimes. Um, like I I'm relatively techy, I guess, but I remember the sites crashed. So my dad, being the old school mind, he is just goes, "Well, if the computer's down, the theater's right up the street. Why don't I just go to the box office and see if they have any tickets available?" Apparently, they had plenty of tickets if you actually physically went to the theater, so we got our tickets just fine. I was like, oh, good job, Dad. Way to think outside the box. Then, no. thankfully, I was ahead of the curve when Endgame came out because those tickets sold out in 10 minutes. But I remember before uh, I went for work for the day, they released the final trailer for Endgame, and it said tickets on sale now. I was just like, don't even care. Getting them right now. Okay, I got my tickets. I don't care wherever we're sitting, but we're seeing Endgame opening night first showing. Um, so it's kind of the same thing for Force Awakens, yeah, of just physically did, did going to the store. Did you the first showing huh? of, of Force Awakens? Were you the first showing as well? I thought there was one of these where I actually had to text you or you had to text me about your thoughts. I, I don't know. Uh, that was Last think... Jedi. Oh, okay. Okay. No, Force Awakens. I was there for the first showing. Come on, son. Yeah, yeah I know. It was, it was just difficult. It was luck of the draw. Yeah, oh, my gosh, man. Like, that's why, that's why we get so hyped up, man, because – just the trailers evoke so many emotions and they get people talking and, and never is the community stronger than in those moments. Honestly. Yep. yep. As much as I hate the star Wars fan base sometimes because they're, they can be awful and cruel to people like how they treated poor Kelly Marie Tran or Jake Lloyd or Ahmad best for Jar Jar. It's in those moments that I remember why this fandom can be great. Um, and I think we're getting back to that now. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any trailers that would get me excited, like a Man of Steel 2. Someday. A Nightwing trailer. Um, but again, I've said before, if this Uncharted trailer is good, I will be mad enough to admit that I'll cry tears of joy. If they have even remotely or anything even close to the classic Uncharted theme of do 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 and that's just how you end the trailer. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be coherent enough to do the podcast <laughs> the next couple weeks. Um, right. I I love trailers. They're my lifeblood. I need to get to the theater op- early to make sure I don't miss any trailers. Even if I've already seen them at home, it's different watching them on a big screen. I still have yet to see the Batman trailer on the big screen because everything shut down. Um, but any closing remarks there, Michael, before we take this thing home? No, I just – I'm looking forward to what's coming uh, for 2021. And I think we've started up pretty strong uh, for this year. I mean, talking about Kong versus Godzilla, obviously I'm really glad that, that franchise is getting a little bit of hype. Like I'm, I'm very, very glad. Hopefully the movie can deliver. I mean, we got, we got trailers. I mean, what, what's to come this year? Like the next Spider-Man trailer uh, that's going to be there. I mean, uh, undoubtedly we're, we're going to see that first trailer for Uncharted. It's going to happen. 
there's a lot, you know, the you know, Mission Impossible as well. Like, there's some good stuff coming, hopefully, that has a history of delivering. So I, I can't wait for this. This is an ongoing discussion. We're just talking about just some of the few ones that have come out. But if you look at, like, our lists, these aren't trailers going back to, like, the 50s and 60s. Like, the art of trailer making is so much better now. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the best ones are to come. I don't think they're stuck in the past. Yep, I think you bring up a great point. I think we've only really started to to see what they're really capable of with movie trailers. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of your all-time favorite trailers? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. we got a lot of exciting stuff, including that Nightwing project coming. Uh, so, yeah, subscribe to us on YouTube. And as always... Stay sharp, movie guys and gals.